Welcome to The Crossing, the sermon podcast from Washington National Cathedral. We're so glad you're with us, and we hope this week's episode gives you comfort and inspiration. Be sure to check out our other Crossing podcast, Tower Talks, where you can find untold stories from cathedral docents, volunteers, staff, and artists who have each helped make the cathedral into the national treasure we all love. And now, enjoy this week's sermon. I greet you in the precious name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Greetings to also Bishop Marianne Budd, to Dean Randy Hollerith, Reverend Canon Leonard L. Hamlin, Reverend Canon Kelly Brown Douglas, the National Cathedral leadership and family, and the international family of friends of the National Cathedral. I consider it an esteemed honor to be invited back to join you again. Let us pray. Jesus, for you, by you, of you, through you, and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text comes from our readings today. That is Psalm 25, the first five verses. In you, O Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust you. Do not let me put to sh- be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will overcome, will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God, my Savior. And then our text comes from the very last verse of that Psalm, verse 22. Verse 22, deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. And our theme and thought of meditation is yes and yes again. How many times did you say yes to God today? Wait, don't rush the answer. Just let the question sit there for a moment. How many times did you say yes to God today? Truth is, for many of us on too many occasions, the kingdom of me gets in the way of the kingdom of God. We choose my way, my point of view. It is my inability to say no to me that gets in the way of me saying yes to God. It's my agenda. It's my way. It's my policy. It's my thoughts over the one whose ways are not our ways and whose thoughts are not like our thoughts. When you check in with God before you check your cell phone, that was a yes. When you meditated on God's word before you posted on social media, that's a yes. When you felt the presence of the Lord and didn't rush the moment, that's a yes. When you said yes to the promises of God, the ones that sound so ridiculous and defy common sense, that's a yes. When you said yes to new mercies this morning because you ran out of mercies that God gave you yesterday, that's a yes. And when you said yes to the forgiveness of sins, the ones that so easily beset us, that's a yes. When you said yes to God's potential and possibilities instead of the proclivities of your own insecurities, that was a yes. When you turn towards the people and things that are life-giving instead of life-draining, that's a yes, Lord. It's like that praise song we, we sang when we were we're growing up, I'll say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say, yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When the Spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be, yes, Lord, yes. Ah, all you have to do is open your mouth and say, yes. Why don't we practice it now? Come on, center yourself. Take a deep breath. Breathe deeper. Now breathe one more time in a quiet way. Just say, Yes. It's all right to throw back your head and say, yes. Tell God, yes. 
Say a yes that comes all the way from your gut and agrees with your heart and gains affirmation with your mind. Yes. It's easy to say yes, because God has already demonstrated what God knows what is best for us. We exit the kingdom of me when we say yes to the kingdom of God, when we trust that God has our best interests at heart. Woodrow Crow writes, the God who knows you best knows the best for you. It's easy to say yes to the Lord who has already demonstrated in clear and concise ways that this sovereign can be trusted. When you say yes, you recognize that God is the sovereign ruler of the universe. When we say yes, we acknowledge his right as the creator to reign over all of the earth. We also recognize our responsibility to submit to him as our authority. When you say yes, we are saying that he is the rewarder of them who diligently seek him. The Lord loves us and has chosen the best path for our lives. Our yes flows easier when you You believe that God is God and God can do just what God says he can do. And you can do what God says you can do. And you are who God says you are and not whatever foolishness that culture and society believes that you are less than who God says you are. And when God says yes to our yes, did you hear what I said? When God says yes to our yes, God's yes becomes louder than the no's of culture and society. God's yes, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God's yes, you are created in the image of God that counsels the culture melanin phobias. When you say yes, you're saying that God is in charge and in control and God is sovereign and God can be trusted to do what is best. And then you'll wait for God all of your days. God's timing is all always perfect. And, but from our perspective, sometimes it seems God is moving slow, dragging his feet through our issues. And if we focus on our circumstances and the advice of others, we may be tempted to jump ahead of the Lord. Come on, Isaiah, help us here. God acts on the behalf of one who waits for him. And when we wait for the Lord, we're just not sitting around idle, but we are being sensitive to, uh, to his directions. We're listening for that still small voice uh, uh, that's behind us, telling us which way to go before making any decision. He knows all the facts of our lives and the perfect timing for every situation. And so, so then our yes ought to be an easy thing to do, but think, think, think back for a moment. You know, those occasions on everyone's resume, when you should have said yes, and you didn't, when you, when you should have just nodded your head and you didn't, you should have waved your hand or, or, or slapped five or spoke up or took a chance. You should have stretched out. You should have moved ahead. And the whole universe held its breath waiting for you to say, yes, And you didn't waiting for you to say something that would change the world, change your world or change your life forever. And somehow, yes, didn't come out of your lips. Just like in our reading this morning, remember Noah did say yes when God asked him to build the ark and that yes had consequences because every yes has a 
consequence. Noah had to build something that people had never seen for something they had never experienced. Noah built an ark inside of a community that had shunned the ways of God and whose stench of sin reached heaven high. Their world was about to shut down and the world had never shut down before with a flood of epic proportions that they had never seen this type of pandemic before. No one saw it coming. No one saw that it would be eight people quarantined for 40 days and 40 nights, shelter in place with two of every kind of creature. Just like the psalmist in our text said, all Noah could do was trust God. Noah's yes saved through water, which prefigures the baptism as Peter writes to us now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who now sits at the right hand of the father with angels and authorities and powers made subject to him. Abraham said yes. When God asked him to sacrifice his only son, the one he had prayed and waited for, Joseph said yes. When God asked him to forgive his brothers who had beaten him and sold him into slavery, Moses said yes. When God told him to go to Pharaoh and ask him to let the Israelites go when there was still a warrant out for his arrest, Rahab said yes. When asked to hide the Israelite spies and risk her own lives and the lives of her family, Esther said yes. When Mordecai told her to go and invited to the king to save her people, Daniel said yes. When God told him not to bow down and worship other idols, Mary said yes. When the angel told her she would carry the word made flesh, the disciples said yes. When Jesus asked them to leave everything and to follow him, Jesus had enough yes in him to resist the devil in the wilderness. Yes, we do not live by bread alone. Yes, do not put the Lord to the test. Yes, worship the Lord and him only. Jesus was God's yes to our humanity. Jesus was God's yes to us and that God would come and breathe and feel pain and shun the riches of glory and he would thirst and hunger and sweat and bleed and grow tired and feel loneliness and frustration. Jesus would face critics and haters and feel sadness and fear and rejection and friendship and love. All of the things we know as human life is an amazing yes from the God we serve. Hallelujah. Paul said yes when God asked him to deliver the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Yeah, and Carla Grassner writes, I'm going to say yes to what God wants me to do and not to what others think I should do. Shonda Rhimes, television writer and producer extraordinaire, writes about a one-year experiment. She would say yes to all of the things that scared her, made her nervous, took her out of her comfort zone. For one year, she would grab fear by the throat and all of the things that say you don't deserve, you don't belong, you're not enough. And she uncovered a new confidence. Mm. The power of yes can change the world, can change your world, our world, and change your life. Mm. We are the United States. Yes. And we are so divided. Yes. We are a nation huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Yes. And at the same time, a nation that supports violent, racist, misogynist rhetoric and actions. Yes. We are the land of the free and the home of the brave. Yes. 
and we are a, a, a nation that applauds trash talk and name, tall, name calling and violent uncivil discourse. Yes, we are a nation of diverse races and religions and ethnic origins seeking in close inclusivity in America. Yes, that rings with the harmony of liberty. Yes, and a nation with an ugly undercourage of anger, fear, and hate. Yes, with liberty and justice for all. Sometimes, well, almost sometimes, an ideal that fails upon praxis. Let me exegete the text. It's yes that brings us to our, our text in Psalm 25. Here the psalmist is facing his own pandemic. It is a crisis. It is unnerving. It shakes him to his core and shakes up the status quo. We like it when things are stable. Go ahead, raise your hand and say amen. We like it when it's secure and safe, not just safe in the arms of Jesus, but safe in our own neighborhood. When, 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 when things are unsafe, we close our doors and we close our minds. We shudder our hearts and shut down our compassions. When things are out of control, we either try to control everything around us or get lost in its mania. Panic stalks us when the structure of our lives break down, the structure of familiar relationship, the structures of public health, the structures of finance, the structures of democracy, the structure of love my neighbor as myself, the structure of humanity, we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. Remember that? Even if I don't look like you or you look like me, red and yellow, black and white, we are all precious in his sight. The structure of truth that can set us free and truth still sets free. For how can you say you love God whom you haven't seen and hate me who you do see? What truth? You do not control the resurrection or its results. Ah, you do not decide who gets in after you have gotten in. You don't have a, a right to dictate who gets saved or who else is a part of the whosoever. Yet, it is at this intersection of, of crises, internal and external, where we find the Lord's opportunity looming just beyond our front doors. Have you ever cried out to the Lord like David does in this psalm? David, the attributed author, here I am, Lord. I, I lift up my soul, not, not just my mind, not just my body, not just my heart, but I lift up my soul to you. All hell has broken loose on the outside in my neighborhood, in my home, at work, in the world. Everything has gone crazy on the inside of me. All I can do is trust you. Lord, don't let my enemies win. Triumphant over me, be triumph over me. No one who waits upon the Lord should be ashamed. But let those who deal treacherously without cause be ashamed. Oh, oh, listen, listen to David as he sings this song this morning. Let not my enemies win. Don't let them rejoice over my demise. Don't let them rejoice over me. Laugh at me. Could it be that David didn't want to have to defend God because every time something goes wrong and something doesn't go according to plan, what do they say? Where is your God now? Where, where is God now, David? Uh, 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 is God answering your prayers? 
How long have you prayed that prayer and God hasn't moved in your life? Maybe David is now afraid to pray prayers because they won't be answered. Maybe because God is not moving in the direction that you think God ought to be moving or is moving too slow and the answers are delayed. How do I explain God's silence at a time like this? Here, David is experiencing a crisis of faith. And when we forget that God's ways are not our ways and thoughts are not like our thoughts or, or that maybe some sin is lurking in the shadows of our lives and standing in the way David sings this song that it should be my enemies who will be ashamed, especially those who deal treacherously without cause or, or meaning or who act deceitfully without a cause, who actions are deceitful. Wait for it without cause are the ones who should be put to shame. Is it possible at the intersection of crises and opportunity ah, that, that this is David's home coming? Uh, uh, remember David saying with confidence in Psalm 24, 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He declared with confidence in Psalm 24, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and the King of glory shall come in. This is the confident David. But when faced with enemies without and enemies within, that upsets his apple cart and rocks his boat and rattles him in Psalm 25. It is with a fresh opportunity that he becomes again acquainted with the God who is and the God who can do, and, and David has an opportunity to say yes again to God. And so now, now David, after having lifted up his soul, asked God to do three things, three, four things. He says, Lord, show, teach, and lead. Is this the pathway of true discipleship that engages the whole person? Lord, show me. Make known yourself to me as Moses prays. Now, therefore, if I found grace in your sight, now show me your way that I may know you. God's ways are revealed in God's word, surely in the gospel. Yes. And in order to receive true repentance, uh, uh, that I will turn away from this. Yeah, repentance and forgiveness. Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who mess with us. The gift of salvation as God's ways are fulfilled for us in Christ Jesus, who is the way, the truth and the light. Then the taught one rises later in Psalm 51 to teach others. I will teach transgressors your way. Show me and I will show others. Teach me your paths and then lead me in your Way. You know the hymn we sing, lead me, guide me along the way. Oh, that you lead me, I will not stray. Jesus, who is the way, uh-huh, shows the way to his disciples and us when he sent out the 12 and said, you go preach saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead and cast out demons freely. You have received freely. You give. Jesus tells them to do what he did. So it is enough, says Jesus, for a disciple to be like his teacher. David says, march me to the truth and march me in the truth because to believe God's word is not enough. To think God's word is not enough. To know God's word is not enough. We must do God's will. Uh, 